Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the OrcaCast. With me today is Thomas, and Thomas is a wonderful indie dev. I'm looking very much forward to having on the panel. Thomas, welcome. How are you doing today? Hello, everyone. I'm doing good. What What about you, Orko? I'm doing fantastic since you are here today. Okay, Thomas, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, yeah, as you may know, I'm mostly an indie game developer. Part of my free time, I'm also a minion game developer for somebody else. Um, yeah, that that's it mostly. I live I live in my in my house. I work from here, so I'm I'm a caveman. You know, I'm always hidden in my hole. <laughs> a, a true cave dweller. Okay. Yeah, that, so, that's what I, what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you meant. <laughs> okay. So, for those who don't know, Thomas is also, or or his solo indie studio is also called Celevi, I guess. And what they made so far is Night of the Scissors, which you can buy now on Steam. Link in the description. And today, uh, not as of recording, but when this podcast is released, he releases his new game, Cannibal Abduction. And we are going to talk about both games today a little bit, because I'm curious. And about That's you, obviously. Awesome. Yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. Okay, so first and foremost, what I would like to know, how did you get in into game development? Uh, well, I think I started making games like four or five years ago, even though I tried when I was way younger with other uh, tools, I failed miserably because I tried to do these huge projects that you have in your mind, like uh, as a child, you know, and I, I failed, of course, because I had these huge ideas uh, there and I couldn't, I couldn't make them. So a few years later, I started programming I learned to to code and I decided that it was a, a good time to try once again to go into game development. So about five years ago, I think, I started making my first uh, finished projects, which, which were just like simple arcade games like Space Invaders and stuff like that, you know, really simple games in order to learn how to how to make the games, how to use the tools, how to have this game designer mindset, stuff like that. And also in the process, I've learned how to make my own assets. Uh, I mean, art, stuff stuff like uh, sprites or textures, or um, later on I started to do models, animate them. And yeah, you know, it was a pretty organic process in which I started alone, and here I am. I'm still alone making game, making games. I've learned all the stuff by myself <laughs> along the years. That is pretty impressive because I I started doing game development too, and I know it's uh, 
a, a long road, a very long road until you're getting like, yeah, something feasible right. out of it. Let's let's put it that way. It is. So, but I think the key, I think the main key for those who want to start making games is just to start small and and try to avoid those um, ideas of making your first project something really cool that will sell copies and stuff like that. That's I think there is maybe one or two success cases of people making their first game and achieving a commercial success. Uh, I mean, for most of the people should just start small, do something for themselves, try to finish it. I mean, there are a bunch of people that will start a lot of projects and then abandon them. Finishing a project is actually a, a huge milestone. Even if it's a simple game where you just gotta run from A to B, Dude, it's a finished game. That's that's a milestone, believe me. Once you have a, a game that you can show to your friends, to your family or whatever, uh, it, it sets a milestone on, on your road. Because from that foundation, you can then start making bigger games or more complex games. So yeah, I believe that's that's that should be the first goal for any game developer. Making a game, whatever it is, finish it. That is a good tip. I heard the same. So basically make something more bite-sized. Uh, and that leads me directly into Night of the Scissors because it's actually a very bite-sized game. I think you, you can finish it in under 60 minutes if you know what you're doing. Um, which is not, not a bad thing, not at all. I think that's a good thing sometimes. Uh, and I guess you did make it so short because you wanted a finished game to show off so you can tell people, hey, I did this. You are right. Yeah, that's it. Um, I was working for two years on this first-person shooter, uh, which is called Aske. I put up a demo on Steam, but it was a huge project, dude. I, I, I had to stop working on it. And then uh, it was quite depressing, you know, because I've spent two years working on the same thing and then I had to drop the, drop it. But then I realized I've learned a lot of stuff in, 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 the, in the process. So it's not wasted time. Anything you do, it's not waste, wasted time. Uh, and yeah, I realized that I could make a smaller game and simpler game than this first person shooter, but something smaller, but finished. So people could actually play it from the beginning and finish it. And it's, it's the same I told you a few minutes ago. Just you, you gotta do something that you can finish. Uh, otherwise you just get really, uh, depressed you know at not having something to show to the people it's it's really sad yeah yeah i get that so to to go back a little bit to your game or in general so night of the scissors obviously i mean the influences are pretty clear uh, but i would would like to hear it from you uh, before before i b before you tell me though i i want to speculate a little bit what your main influences for the game were that you made. So I, I see Resident Evil, obviously, classic survival horror um, with fixed camera angles. I see a bit of maybe I'm 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 a little bit out there, you know. But I also see a little bit of Clock Tower in there, and obviously really trashy horror movies that I love too. So am I right? Uh, quite. Yeah. Actually, the only guess that uh, I think was wrong, uh, you will be surprised. It's Clock Tower. Um, I didn't know about Clock Tower. 
<laughs> this is quite embarrassing, but I but when I started telling people that there was a, a scissor killer on my game, they they started saying, "Oh, dude, that's like um, Clock Tower Killer." And I had to actually go and and Google uh, the the name of the game in order to learn that there was this old um, this old game that had this guy with a huge pair of scissors trying to kill you. Uh, but yeah, still the Knight of the Scissor is quite different because it's just a small pair of scissors, which it's way different than the scissor killer from Clock Tower. He has a huge scissor, you know. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, it, I don't, I don't really would say you directly like ripped him off. I mean, you didn't at all because you just said you never heard of Clock Tower before you actually made the game. But it's, it's like still, you know, scissors. It's like. Everyone who played Clock Tower will always go back to that game. Um, yeah. So, and what exactly? Um, so, just just spill the beans here a little bit. What exactly did inspire you to make Knight of the Scissors? Apart from the things I already mentioned. Well, uh, I think the main inspiration was uh, these puppet combo games. You know, so. I would I, I I would see the games from Puppet Combo and I realized that some of their games weren't really long enough, like short experiences, uh, half an hour, 40 minutes, um, stuff like that. And people would really enjoy it. People would enjoy that experience. And I was like, hey, uh, I, I have the tools, I have the knowledge to do a game like this. And even though there are a bunch of horror games out there, I think there are a little, a little amount of games that reach that puppet combo quality. You know, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how to express this, but sometimes you, f you, you can feel that there is uh, some kind of uh, bar or threshold where you, you can tell, okay, this is uh, an indie developer that just started making games, or this is a more experienced game. That's what I feel with puppet combo game games like they feel way more uh polished and professional in some ways so i thought that hey there is a lot of horror games some of them are sl slasher like but puppet combo is the only one that can make really cool games on this style this specific style i could try to do the same um yeah so i tried with the knight of the scissors and people enjoyed it so I was really happy to find out that uh, it was a success, you know? Yeah, so to, to get a little bit into Puppet Combo, what I feel like what they do really well is they understand 80s, trashy 80s horror. Like these really exploitative horror movies that you got in the 70s and the 80s. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what made them great. And Puppet Combo nails that down. And I had the same feeling when I played Knight of the Scissors. That's why I'm so excited you're here, because I feel like you 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 are also nailing this this vibe down. You understand what it's about, what this trashy horror is about. And that is something I can deeply admire because for me personally, it's like to to I, I get to play my favorite horror movies, you know? And there's nothing really out there too, uh, to that extent, just you and Puppet Combo. And yeah, that, that's why I'm so yeah, excited about it. And yeah, so 
kudos to you again. You you really do a, did a good job on Night of the Scissors. And the I'm yeah, sure be, I'm pretty sure there must be more developers out there. But yeah, I'm uh, I don't know every developer in the world, so um, there's probably more slasher horror games that nailed it. But yeah, the only big one I know it's Puppet Combo. So that's I haven't I found I haven't found them yet. <laughs> I need to find them. <laughs> Uh, and and I tried a lot. Like um, I think six one six games is also one, but I think they are a little bit too goofy for my taste. Uh, yeah, I I get your point. Yeah, and I will agree. Yeah, some some of their games look um look good, but I'm not sure. It's like it's missing something in order to be like a really good finished product. Also, they put together a lot of games in a short period of time that means that they are not like um putting i don't know how to say it but sometimes you just gotta pour a, a big amount of hours on the same project in order to make something really good and exciting and polished if you just make a lot of small projects then uh that's going to show off in the in the quality of the product It, I mean, it's it's perfect for them that they make a lot of games, but it's a different target audience, I believe. Yeah, I think so too. It's not. It's basically not for me. So let's talk a little bit about your news project, Cannibal Abduction, which is basically cannibal movie now. Let's put it that way, or a cannibal-inspired game and not a slasher. Well, you could also say it's still a slasher, but. You know, the subgenres and everything. Uh, inspired horror game. So it comes out next week, Friday, from from the point we are recording this. Uh, when you hear this, the game is already out. Why did you settle on something cannibals-themed? Uh, because that's a setup that people love. I mean, who, who doesn't like... Uh, um, oh, sorry, I, 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 I'm trying to find the name of the movie in English. Hold on, because I know that uh, the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sorry, I, I I got the name in Spanish and I I just <laughs> I just forgot the name in English. Who doesn't like that movie? You know, um, it, it, it's basically the same setup. You are going to a farm and then there is this crazy family that's going to try to kill you. And well, there are cannibals too, which it's more exciting, right? <laughs> It is definitely uh, a lot more exciting. I, I'm personally looking forward to it, as I said. Um, I also plan on playing on stream uh, that day once it's out, so I can see where it goes. So it's also more of a bite-sized experience again, I I think, or is it, a, is it in quotations, bigger than Night of the Scissors? Uh, actually, it's a bit bigger. I tried to set the bar a little bit higher than the Night of the Scissors for this for this game. Not only in the length of the game, which is around two hours, but also on the gameplay stuff. Like it's a bit more slow-paced than the Night of the Scissors. On the Night of the Scissors, once the killer appeared, you had to run for your life because this this guy would jump on you in half a second, literally. It, He will just stab you in one second. Uh, this game it's more slow-paced. Uh, you'll have more time to run. You'll have more time to hide. But also, there are more puzzles. There are more items. You have an inventory now. You have to use bandages. You have to uh, save the game. But the amount of 
tapes in order to save your game, it's limited and you gotta find them uh, around the house. Uh, there are two endings, you know, there is a bunch of cool uh, puzzles to, to solve. Um, yeah, I think it, 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 I think it's a, um, it's a, a step, a step ahead from the Night of the Scissors. I mean, obviously you would improve on it, but I don't, but what I wanted to say is, it's probably not a grandiose magnum open, opus in terms of like horror, it, or it is, but like, it's not this huge game. It's probably already like, I think, I, I'm just guesstimating now, maybe three hours in oh, terms actually, of length. Uh, no, no, no. I think I've told you already. It's uh, two hours maximum, I believe. Ah, okay. I mean that's 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 fair. So if you try to get the two different endings, you you maybe you'll spend like two hours with it, and it, it's going to have the achievements and stuff like that. If you want to keep playing the game, yeah, you can try to get all the achievements. Uh, it has two difficulties. Um, you know, it has oh well. Uh, Something new is that it has some cutscenes, voice over, uh, voice acted uh, cutscenes. Cut actually, um, it has more music, more music tracks. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I think it it has more, way more improvements than Night of the Scissors. Going to be something exciting for those who liked that game. That's 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 good to hear. I, I I'm personally looking forward to it. I think a few fr like few of my uh, acquaintances when it comes to streaming and content creating also do because I know a few people that also like Night of the Scissors a lot. Um, so and once Cannibal Abduction is released and it's obviously going to be a success because I would also say that Night of the Scissors is a success. Would you consider Night of the Night of the Scissors a success? Uh, yeah, I do. At least for my expectation for my expectations. Sorry. Uh, it was a huge success. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't think I, back then that it it would blow that much. Like some YouTubers with millions of subscribers played it. It was a, it was something that I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm happy for you. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw I saw that uh, it has... I don't know how exactly the formula goes, but I saw it had like 175 positive uh, reviews. Positive. Uh, very positive, I think, even. And that means that you sold like 10 times the copies or something like that. So that's actually a pretty good amount for a first title. So uh, you're you're trying to estimate the sales on the reviews? Not sure. the, yeah, there 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 is there is like a formula how you can roughly estimate the sales on the reviews oh. because I, I think like they say for every 10 or for every 100 copies sold, one person roughly leaves a review. I'm not entirely sure how the formula works, but there is there is one out there. Oh no, actually I'm. I can reveal those numbers. I don't mind about that. Let me just check the dashboard really quickly. But I think uh, I have. I have sold so far around uh, on Ichio around I think two thousand copies or something like that. Let me check. Oh, sorry. It's actually almost eight hundred copies on Ichio, and then uh, let me check really quickly on steam dashboard but i believe it's 
it's more than 5,000 copies on Steam. So yeah, for a first game, I believe it's a success, at least for me personally. That no, no, no. So he, here's the thing: I'm gonna tell you something. That is mega successful for such a small game because I I helped other indie games like releasing and whatnot, and I've been in the scene for a few years, and most don't see those numbers ever. I get it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 sometimes a big uh, spike in the in, in in the beginning but then it it goes it slows down and gets like really flat on sales mm-hmm. uh, until you reach the the sales on sale times you will get another spike that's a good time yeah so and do you do you think or, or just like thinking about it do you think cannibal abduction can beat those numbers uh i'll be 100 percent honest i'm not sure um this game it's quite different than the night of the scissors i know that people like the night of the scissors because of the the, the jump scare that the killer produced um that that i think that would catch uh youtubers and streamers attentions which play the game and reach uh, more audience for the game. That's free marketing. Whenever a streamer or a YouTuber plays a, a game you have made, that's free marketing. Um, so The Night of the Scissors was a really good game for streaming or for making a short gameplay video. But uh, Cannibal Abduction, it's a bit longer. So I might see why some streamers or YouTubers won't be interested into recording that. And also, it's not as uh, it, it won't make you those jump scares, that loads jump scares that the Night of the Scissors had. This is like more like a horror atmospheric experience and trying to discover a, a story, a plot that that is there. It has a, a really good plot twist in the end. One of the endings, uh, it's a really cool ending for. With, with a cool plot twist, but I, I, I'm not sure if it's going to to reach the Night of the Scissors sales. I hope so, but I'm not sure, to be honest. I hope so too. And and I believe in you. You It, it will do it. I know it. I know it deep <laughs> in my heart. I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a very positive person. It will eventually. <laughs> I think it, it, it would encourage me a lot in order to keep making this horror games you know i don't want to change the formula i want to keep making these short horror games uh for you to play you know uh and i i think that sometimes if if you make a game you spend a lot of time working and you don't see any sale or people playing the game it it can be quite depressing uh, especially if you spend a lot of time or money making that game you know yeah i understand that that's it's also always a hurdle i do um yeah so but but i feel like that also from the screenshots i've seen and from the steam store page and everything uh i mean i will get it on itch because i'm a fan of itch and you get more money by the way if you buy indie games look if they are available on itch that goes to the audience itch dot io that is itch.io because indie devs actually get 90 percent of the sales yeah that's right itch only takes a 10 percent cut so and steam takes 30 yeah sorry sometimes uh devs will give you free steam copies if you buy the game 
on Ichio. So that's a win-win. Exactly. Um, that's also a thing. But yeah, I, I do I do highly recommend. Ichio has also also a launcher, just like Steam, so download that and just go wild. Uh, yeah, but that's that's the that's that's the um, uh, public service announcement for today. Buy on itch. Okay, back to back to topic. So if so, let's let's picture the following: you put out Cannibal Abduction, and it's going to be a success. Do you already have a plan for what's next? Um, I have a few ideas shuffling in the deck, you know, but there is nothing decided yet. So this is what happened with Cannibal Abduction uh, back then. When I finished working on the Night of the Scissors, I tried to start making a game right after it, and I failed. I had to stop. I had to stop making games for uh, for about two or three months, I believe. It's like after releasing the game, I need to rest a little bit in order to set my ideas. And uh, you know, making a game can be stressful sometimes. And during those three or four months that I have been working on Cannibal Abduction, uh, it was really stressful. Uh, I couldn't sleep very well because I would have ideas popping on my mind from here to there every time. And I wanted to finish the game like after one month I started. It's, it, it, it was like two or three months of stress after the first month of working. So right now, I just want to release the game uh, rest a little bit, maybe two or three months, and then I'll start working on something. I don't know what yet. I have a few ideas, but until the time comes, uh, it's nothing. I don't have anything decided yet. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You need to recuperate and everything once you 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 got everything out because making games is very stressful but it's it's interesting to know that you already have some ideas floating around so you are actually into it you're in the zone so that's good yeah so going back to game development itself a little bit if you make a game like night of the scissors or cannibal abduction how do you approach that do you just start somewhere and then start building from like on top of each other or do you like plan everything out and then go into it and have like a plan like maybe something even like a small design document i know you make really small games you probably don't have a design document itself but you know what i mean hopefully uh, since i work alone i have a few ideas on my mind but Mostly it's just opening the editor and start working and the game unfolds in front of my eyes, you know. Uh, as I'm working, I'm just having ideas and I'm just trying to... That's what, I'm, that's what I talk about when I say I go to sleep, but I'm not sleeping. I'm actually thinking how the story works, uh, things I can add to the game, stuff like that. There is nothing written somewhere. It's all in my mind, and it's some. Sometimes it, it's popping here and there, and it's really, really hard to 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 like rest when you have all these ideas popping, you know. Uh, but yeah, that that's the way I work. I don't. I I'm not used to write down those documents because I work alone, and that works for me. Uh, I believe if I've if at some uh, at some point I start working with someone else, um, I would have to to write down everything because you know if you want to have like the same sight 
in common with somewhere, someone else, then you need to communicate everything you have in your mind. Um, so yeah, for, for cannibal abduction, there was one guy though that helped me during the development uh, on the animations, the character animations. And then he started giving me some ideas for the story. And it was a really cool process because since I didn't have these documents that I've told you, he just played the game at the state it was at that point. And he said, hey, dude, the game is cool, but what do you think if you change this or if you uh, changed uh, this other thing about the story or if you added this to this specific note or stuff like that, you know? So the game grow up organically during the development and that's how I'm used to work. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting. So obviously you work alone, you have the... or you don't have to uh, abide by, any, uh, by anyone else's rules, you can just do it from the hip basically shoot from the hip um so what what and yeah oh sorry talk please go uh, ahead uh yeah but also i'm i'm very aware of the feature creep i'm not sure if you know what the feature creep is i know what feature uh, creep is um if you if you basically add more and more and more and more to your game exactly yeah so i know how much a mechanic or whatever i i, I want to make how much it would take to me and also, I know what's my uh, uh, my dead my, my my end date for the project. So I'm like, okay, this would take too much time. I'm going to scrap that idea. This could take a little bit of time, but it's a really cool idea. Okay, I will I will put that in the game. Uh, stuff like that, you know. I know when something is really cool, and I should use it for the game. And also I know when something should be scrapped because uh, it would take too much resources and my time isn't uh, infinite, you know. So it's important to be aware of the feature creep. Yes, that's that's correct. Because I feel like also a lot of uh, like first time indie devs overshoot. Like, like you said at the beginning, start with a small project. And I feel like a lot of... Uh, smaller or a lot of indie devs overshoot their uh, capacities and then you don't have necessarily feature creep but you have uh, somebody who's overwhelmed with the project in the end yeah that also yeah. i believe that a good start point is making games for game jams you know so you will team up with people and learn how to do stuff and work together with some someone else if you're into that yeah yeah that's true okay so um what i wanted to ask you is i don't i don't remember uh, i don't remember really but what engine are you using for your games uh this is unity it's the tool that i know how to use for making the game but there are some other tools that also i use in order to finish those projects i would use uh blender you know for making the characters and the models and stuff like that and animating them also and then i will use this software called krita which is for uh drawing i will use that one for making textures for the models um anything related to uh images or stuff like that it's a, okay. a, a drawing software it's really cool and it's free I, I try to use mostly free stuff 
Yeah, I have I have Krita actually installed on my uh, computer. I use it to do a little bit of drawing exercise because I want to learn how to draw. So yeah, um, <laughs> cool. that, yeah, yeah, it, it is a good software. So if you have a drawing tablet or whatever, just just check that out, Krita. Uh, I can also recommend it. Was it hard for you to learn the Unity engine, or were you already familiar with it when you started with Night of the Scissors? Oh, when I started with the Night of the Scissors, I was really comfortable with Unity because uh, I, w- I I had been I had I I had been working for two years on this first-person shooter shooter that I've mentioned called Aske. You know, um, yeah, I was really really comfortable, and also I had a bunch of free titles that I had made in the past, like short games for these game jams that I've told you, uh, which are are like short contests. Uh, so yeah, I had a bunch of projects made on Unity before the Night of the Scissors. That's great. Uh, yeah. So you you just could like dive right into it when you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so we have. Uh, what 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 did I want to ask? Let, let me catch my train of thought real quick. Exactly. Okay. So before we, what what I like to do during the podcast is like I, I like to switch the topic a little bit. Um, and go into into the gaming industry a little bit. So we talk about the gaming industry as a whole uh, and what's going on currently. So before we do that, you can tell the audience, the listeners, everything you want to tell them. And you have the podium. Please. Okay, so I can tell, tell them whatever, whatever I want? <laughs> yes, you can tell them whatever you want. Uh, mostly... Mostly, mostly related to your games. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. First of all, I will just encourage everyone who wants to start making games to actually start making games because uh, everybody can make games. It just takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But if you truly want to get into making games and stuff like that, yeah, I'm pretty sure you you can do it. It's 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 complicated, but as everything. You can learn it by just sitting in your computer and studying and doing stuff. I think the more important, the most important part is doing whatever, whatever it is. If it's bug- a buggy game, whatever, just do it. You you will uh, work on top of it and improve over time. But do stuff. That's that's the main advice I can say. And on the other hand, I would like to say that just play my games. <laughs> uh, no, that's a joke. Uh, if you are into horror games, yeah, I, I would encourage you to play my games. But yeah, it's up to you. And okay. I think that that's it. So just just to just to hammer a point home, um, it's not a joke. You have to play that game. So I visit you at night with scissors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, just uh, on more more on a less joking manner, they're bite-sized games. They are really good if you're into horror games. Just get them. They are also not expensive. They cost you like a cup of coffee. So at least Night of the Scissors, I think the same goes for Cannibal Abduction. Uh, just do it. it. It's it's a no-brainer, really. And buy on Itchio. I I will I will ask you if you say I did not buy on Itchio, I'm gonna clap you. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, so let's go into the gaming industry. Um, what? So, if you look at the gaming industry today, 
Um, what is your least favorite trend currently going on? Oh, I think definitely NFTs. I mean, they... Like, there is a bunch of games trying to implement those NFT stuff, you know? And crypto... Uh, yeah, I, I don't like that direction that the industry is taking. At least a big part of the industry. But I think people or players are are letting them know that they don't want it. So that's a, a good thing also. I mean, it's it's um, like in the last six months, I really have the feeling that the that NFTs are going back from the gaming industry yeah. because nobody yeah. really wants them. Uh, the okay. only ones that doubled down just now were Square Enix, but Square Enix is fucking stupid sometimes. There I go, I just say it. Uh, they're a bit out of touch with what gamers want. Yeah, and yeah, when we, yeah, and when we look more on the positive side of things, uh, what's your favorite trend? Uh, I'm really happy that there are some indie games that are rising up their prices. That's a new trend that I've seen. Like this recent game, Choo Choo Charles. You know, it's pretty expensive game for being an indie game. And I'm not saying that in the bad way, you know. I mean, it's really cool that it's an expensive game. And it's really cool that people, it's buying it and playing it. Because in the past, most of the indie games would be really cheap. Uh, or if it was expensive, people wouldn't buy them. Or just prefer buying a AAA game instead of indie, you know. So I think it's really cool that slowly the indie industry, it's, it's taking this step further. And also, the best part is that most of the most uh, innovative games come from the indie industry, not from the AAA industry. So, uh, AAA aren't taking risks, but indies are taking all those risks. So, the be in my opinion, uh, the, the, the best games are, are indie games. <laughs> and it's, it's completely fine to put a high price for the risk they're taking. I think that is a very interesting point you're making here and a very interesting discussion actually because I personally think for example I mean I bought it anyways because I'm a sucker for horror uh, but I think I felt like once I've played it that Chucho Charles was like at least five euros I mean I'm I'm from Europe so I will talk in euros at least five euros too much so $40.99 would have been probably a better price point for my taste. Okay. But I will I will agree with you that indie devs at least should get a bit more ballsy and charge a little bit more for their projects. I, I would say in like two, three years ago, you couldn't have charged more than maybe 10 euros for Tutu Charles. Today it's double the price. So that's okay. I still bought it. I still don't regret buying it. I personally just feel it's a little bit too expensive. Just this tiny little bit. Yeah, but I think sometimes you're not paying just for the game. You're also paying to support the, the developer. That's that's something else. I mean, I get the point that you are buying a product. and That's a correct uh, mindset. But yeah, maybe that's just me because I'm a developer. And sometimes I feel like, okay... It, Uh, I'm not just paying for the game. I'm also paying to support you because you are an indie developer. You are not a company. There is no one else that is going to put money on your wallet aside from 
players. So yeah, it's two different mindsets, and I think both are uh, completely fine and can live with each other. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Like I said, it's an interesting discussion. I would say if I want to, I mean, obviously, if I buy, um, uh, I'm first and foremost a consumer. So I buy first and foremost a product. And if I want to support the indie developers, this is, for example, how I support, I will get them on my show. I mean, two to childs are too big for me. They would never come on here. Or I stream their games on my stream. I'm not the biggest guy in the room, but I can sway my audience a little bit and tell them, look, uh, I like this game really a lot. Wait for a sale when you buy it. That's what I said for Chuchu Charles, for example, because I feel like it's a little bit expensive. It's like a bit high price point, but that that's how I show support, you know? I, I tell my audience, I, I do I do it differently, you know? I try to generate more sales. Yeah, it's, it's completely valid, you know? Really good point. Everything that could help the developer, it's always welcome, you know? Exactly, and that's why, that's why we have like their probably a bit of a different mindset there but i also get the indie dev that says hey i put a lot of work into that game and children Charles is a good product i don't want to argue that in any case and i'm gonna charge 20 euros for it so here you go that's completely fair uh, like i said i buy it any i bought it anyways because i'm a sucker for horror and i'm a sucker for children Charles. so there you go but yeah in the end i like everyone i have my opinion about that stuff so um, but in the end, I, I feel like that at least indie devs should, I will agree with you at least to the extent that indie devs can really, uh, really a little bit, uh, pricey with their, uh, uh, ballsy with their prices, but they also need to be sure it doesn't backfire yeah, because I course. can, I can see like, um, for example, if I don't know. It's just an example. If I would have like purchased Night of the Scissor for eight nine euros, I probably no. yeah would be sense. would be a little bit uh, pissed off. So yeah, I, I get your point. It's it's completely fine. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. In that and but there are indie games out there that are really cheap and are really good. You know. Yeah, yeah, obviously that that is that is also the, of course the other side of the coin. I, I'm just yeah. saying there's there's always two sides. So there are that, some sandbox games that can literally you can sink in thousands of hours and you will pay like five bucks, you know. That's also true. Or if you if you look at Vampire Survivors, yeah, that's one uh, good example, you know. That's that that one even more. That yeah yeah I, I'm I'm with you on that one. That that's something that is. Uh, I mean I think it also got so successful because it got this cheap price point. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that's one of the, but I feel like it, it, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think if they charged maybe five euros or even seven ninety nine, I don't know if it would have taken off the same way it did. But I, I would say that a higher price for that one would be absolutely justified, just on the sheer amount of how addicting it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. And uh, okay, so let's let's ask you two questions. Two more questions. I have like always uh, some trick questions I ask my um, guests, 
because I want to get to know them a little bit more. And I always save them for last because the best for last. So the first question I would like to ask is, tell me what was your scariest experience while you were playing a video game? It doesn't have to be the game itself. It can also be something that happened around while gaming or it can or it could have happened in the video game. Well, there is one experience that I had a few years ago that really I really remember like it stuck in my mind because it was so cool. Uh, I was playing System Shock 2. Um, I think I have talked about this uh, a few days ago on Twitter with someone else. Uh, whatever. Uh, there was this level that had like some sort of intersection. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with System Shock 2, but you are basically on a spaceship uh, in, the, in the empty space. And there is this AI called Shodan that has taken over the, the ship. And there is nobody, nobody alive except you. And then there is uh, some sort of zombie plague on aboard the ship that has taken over the people. So it's it's just you and the e AI that is going to talk to you. And the thing is that on this specific level, there was like some sort of intersection. It was two corridors, you know, and it had some sort of automatic doors, you know, these doors that when you approach, it will go like and open. Um, I remember playing this game and hearing those doors in the distance opening and closing behind me or to my right or whatever during this intersection and being really really scared you know because I didn't know what the hell was lurking around around me and I could I could hear them like wandering around and <laughs> it was it was scary I I, I didn't want to like leave the, the the room where I was because I could I could tell that there was something else out there but I didn't know what it was so this is a cool experience I had back then and it stuck on my mind for years so I would say that's my one of my best spooky moments of horror games may, may sound like a little bit stupid but it was a cool experience it's not stupid. I think it's it's a cool a cool story. So that's it was more I mean, like it was it, it it was more like not scary but playing tricks, you know, with your mind. Like sometimes you don't get scary because you see a monster or on on a movie or a game or whatever. You get scary because of the unknown, you know. Like what's what was that noise? Uh, what could happen to me? What could be watching me? Stuff like that. That's the spooky part of games. Not the actual moment the player dies or the monster is uh, coming to you. Yeah, yeah, okay. And let's go to the last question before we wrap it up. So picture the following situation. You are in front of the United Nations and you're going to speak on behalf of all video games. What would you tell the United Nations about video games? <laughs> that video games don't make people violent. <laughs> I, I like, I, I, like a lot of people who I asked the question answer this. It's interesting that we still are stuck a little bit, even the developers, even the gamers, that we are still stuck a little bit in the mindset that people see us as like violent animals or something because we play video games. I'm over that. I've been over that for a long time. 
I don't see it that way anymore. But I know I others see. see, see. That's an old mindset. Did that no longer applies to the present? I believe. Yeah. It was. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for inviting me. Actually, it was a really good time. I I'm happy to hear that. So if you if you want to come back at any point, you're always invited back. And this being the OrcaCast, I'm the Orcosaurus. You can find me on all socials as the Orcosaurus. You can find me on Twitch as the Orcosaurus. You can find my second YouTube channel on YouTube as the Orcosaurus. And if you want to support the show and myself, you can go to Patreon and sign up there. The links are all in the description. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you everyone for being an amazing audience. And bye-bye. Bye. Have a good time. <laughs>